In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is the Gospel reading, which I've already read. You may be seated. One of the worst sins that you can commit in the current year of our Lord, 2021, is to cast judgment upon someone. You're not allowed to say that what someone does, says, or thinks is wrong. St. Peter tells us, however, that judgment begins at the house of God. That means that we need to examine ourselves in light of God's word before we can use it rightfully in light of the culture to diagnose what is wrong with the world around us. What I mean is this. Christians today have a hard time condemning false doctrine because we don't want to come off as too judgmental of other Christians. It's almost as if we're afraid to say that what we believe is the truth. And anything that contradicts the truth is false. We're afraid to make that bold kind of statement. Here's a really broad example just to try this on for size. We believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? Well, on the other hand, the Muslim believes that Muhammad is the only prophet of God and the only way that we can access God. Now, these are both exclusive claims. That means they cannot both be true. All right, so hopefully that really broad example is easy enough to help you understand where we're going. But the problem we're concerned with today, the problem that Jesus has identified for us in our gospel reading, is that we have a hard time saying what is true and what is false when it comes to competing Christian claims. Dear saints, Jesus lays upon you a difficult charge. You are to determine which theological claims are true and which theological claims are false. This means that you actually need to know what is true and what is false. It means that you cannot let yourself be blinded by a good outward appearance. And it must mean that you have to look for righteous fruits in your quest for the truth. Going back to Jesus' opening words for today, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. With these words, Jesus indirectly commands preachers like me, above all, to preach his word in its truth and purity. Nothing should be added to God's word, and nothing should be taken away from God's word. That's on me. But more directly, he is telling you that you must listen and discern if what you are hearing is true. Everything that is taught in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ 
concerns the salvation of our soul. It is all connected to the chief article that Jesus is, in fact, our Savior from sin and death. In these matters, no one should rely on another person at all. No one should base his faith on any man except Jesus. This is what it means to be saved by faith alone. If the pastor makes you mad, well, that's not a good enough reason to quit coming to church. Your faith cannot depend on the pastor. I can't die for you. I can't represent you before God. I can't stand for you on the last day in the judgment. You can't say, well, Pastor McKinley taught this, and I believed and I followed him. If you let yourself be deceived, you have deceived yourself. St. Paul upbraided the Corinthian Christians for claiming to follow Paul or Apollos or this or that man. Let it not be so among us. The kingdom of God makes us all alike before him. Holy baptism strips the gold from the king and the rags from the beggar. St. Paul says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how wise you are, because God considers our human wisdom folly. And he considers our human righteousness to be sin. Again, St. Paul says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God hides himself from the wise and reveals himself even to the least. Here's an example from the scriptures as to what I'm talking about. When the Apostle Paul was visiting the Jews in Berea in Acts chapter 17, when he preached to them, they would go back to their houses and they would check everything he said against the Word of God. The Holy Spirit called these Berean Christians more noble than any other men because they desired to seek out the truth from God rather than from men. St. John writes, Beloved, do not, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And again, St. Paul writes, I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. When the whole church, its leadership, met at Nicaea in the year 325, 317 of the 318 bishops who met there wanted to forbid marriage to the clergy. But one man, one bishop, uh, Pampnutius of Thebes, stood upon the word of God to prove that marriage was good even for pastors. And he stood on God's word. And from that stance, he convinced all of the other bishops to change their minds. Dear saints, Jesus' claims on the truth are not based on what the majority says, but they're based on his own word. So, now that we've laid out the case for the importance of determining what is true and what is false, 
How do we do it? Well, it's not based on our feelings. No judge in a civil court would dare rule based on what he felt like the truth was saying to him. His truth and your truth, there's, there's really no difference. There's only one truth. It's not based on what your favorite pastor says, but it must be based on God's word. This means, dear saints, that you must know the Bible better than you know the stats of your favorite pitcher or what kind of yield you had from your corn or how well you think it's going to be this year or whatever you need to do to, in your position to help your team win its next volleyball game or basketball game. We should be studying the scriptures daily, even if it's just for a few minutes here or there. We should read Orthodox theologians who have, determined, who have demonstrated that they teach God's word faithfully. You should come to Bible class and ask questions. Take up your small catechism. It stands upon the word of God. From it, you can judge what is true and what is false. Its exposition of the Ten Commandments tell you what is God-pleasing and what is not. The exposition of the creed contained within teaches you about true and saving faith. Its exposition of the Lord's Prayer teaches you how Christ would have you pray. Its exposition of the sacraments of holy baptism, absolution, and the Lord's Supper teach you how Christ's forgiveness that was won at the cross is distributed to you today in this Christian church. You may say, well, pastor, I just don't have time for that. But your soul's salvation is at stake in this matter. Do you have time to attend to that? Well, now that Jesus, now that you know it, that Jesus expects you to judge what is true and what is false from his word, you need to know that you cannot be swayed by outward appearances. Again, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. St. Paul in his epistles warns us that in these last days in which we now live, there will be more and more Bible teachers who want to scratch the itching ears of their hearers. This means that they will say what they think the people want to hear, rather than say what the people need to hear. Part of being a judge of true doctrine means that you need to judge who claim to be, judge those who claim to be teachers of God's word. The Bible tells pastors that they should be examples to the flock under their care and holy living. In fact, I made that promise to you when I was installed as your pastor. They're called by the church to teach they should be outwardly pious, friendly toward everyone, gentle toward their enemies, generous to the poor, and zealous in their call. It helps when pastors are able to move people to want to do things for the kingdom of God here on earth, move people to tears by the beauty of their speech, comfort those who are troubled. But all of these things might serve as mere sheep's clothing. This is why Jesus tells us the only way we can know that if a teacher of the Bible is true 
is not by how he looks or how he presents his life, but by the fruit that he produces. So, what fruit does a preacher produce? In our text, Jesus is speaking of the fruits of a teacher of God's word, what they should produce. And that means that we should be looking for fruits of pure doctrine, not an outwardly holy life. In short, what a preacher says is far more important than how a preacher is to live his life. St. Paul says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Nobody is sent by God but he who preaches to poor sinners that his dear son, Jesus Christ, is the only way to salvation. God's will is that everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. If a preacher comes who is winsome and well-liked by all, but his teaching is in conflict in any way with what God says in his word, he is a false prophet. Jesus says, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. The warning is clear for preachers, including myself, that if we do not preach God's word rightly, no matter how much we preach in God's name and do great looking works in God's name, we will be shut out of the kingdom of heaven. That's a warning to all who want to take up this office. He says to us, I do not even know you. But this is also a clear warning for you, too. You cannot gather grapes from bushes or figs from thistles. In the end, you cannot listen to someone who constantly contradicts the word of God to the benefit of your soul. The clearest way that this usually shows up around us or among those who preach and teach on the television is in what they say about the sacraments. Most of the Protestant preachers that are around us unequivocally deny the saving power of holy baptism, the absolution or the Lord's Supper, to give to you the forgiveness of sins, despite Jesus' clear words to the contrary in his word. More and more, I believe that what a preacher says about marriage also fits into this category. Dear saints, if you're listening to TV preachers who aren't telling you that your baptism has saved you or that you can find forgiveness in the Lord's Supper, you should stop listening to them. They are wolves, Jesus says. They are not preaching the Christ of the Bible, which means they are not preaching the Christ who saves us from death. But with this, dear, with this warning, dear saints... Jesus also gives to us a very sweet and comforting promise. Just as a lying prophet will lead you to the gates of hell, a true preacher of God's word preaches with God's own authority to tell you that you are God's children. Not by your works, not even by your desires, but by the blood that Jesus has shed for you. 
A true preacher will call you out on your sins so that he might bring you the sweetest grapes and figs of the holy absolution to tell you that God, in fact, does love you and has sent his only son to be the full payment for your sins. He will point you to God's own word and tell you to check what he says against it. He will point you to your baptism, where God claimed you to be his forevermore. He will speak Christ's forgiving word to you, no matter how great your sins are. He will feed you with the holy body and blood of Christ, which are given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And so, by the word of a true preacher of God's word, by the word that he preaches, which is God's word and not his own word, you will be saved. As St. Paul admonished the young pastor, St. Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.